0: Hello and good morning, evening or afternoon, depending on when you are listening to this latest edition of Edie's Susty Talk, our series of one-on-one interviews with sustainability, environment and ESG experts designed to keep us all feeling a little bit more connected. We first launched this during lockdown number one here in the UK. um, And now, even as most of us are working sort of more hybrid, it's great to stay connected and it's good to be catching up with a familiar face today. Um I have Nick Brown on the line who is the ESG director at Premier Foods. So Nick, thank you very much for for taking the time.
1: It's a pleasure Sarah.
0: Um yeah, and as I mentioned Nick is a long-standing friend of ED um but for for those of you who are listening and maybe aren't aware of you Nick it would be great to start with an introduction to yourself um in your own words especially since I know that the last time you interviewed for us you had um yeah, a different job title.
1: That's right, a different job title and working for a different organisation. So yes, by way of personal introduction, my career in sustainability started about 13 years ago when I was working for a major soft drinks company uh, and I was working in new product development. That was my uh, route in Um, and we were um, trying to work out how to get more high quality better recycled material to use in our packaging so i did a lot of work working with local authorities and with waste management companies and with suppliers um, to see how we could do that and long story short ended up building um, a bottle to bottle reprocessing plant and then from that moved into sustainability more generally um, working on carbon and water and community projects Uh, basically how businesses embed sustainability principles into their ongoing business strategies Um, and about 18 months ago i joined premier foods for a major uh, food company here in the uk um, who were going through a major review of their esg program looking at um uh, what the big challenges were going to be in the future and and how to prepare the business for them Uh, and so i was delighted to to make the move make the change i think there's um not many challenges we face as a society that are bigger than how we feed a growing population within the uh, constraints of the of the world's agricultural systems so I'm um, delighted to be working on that.
0: Obviously exciting mission and exciting times it seems like in the past couple of years as you mentioned that a lot of businesses are looking at that real embedding um, of sustainability into core strategy and the ESG seems to be Yeah, definitely the language that's used rather than CSR. So is was yours a new role at Premier Foods and how how does that activity sit within the business?
1: Yeah, so it is a new role. Um, Premier Foods have been doing a lot of good work in um, in the sustainability space over the last few years. But this is a new role to um, bring all the different facets of work together. Um, review them in the context of a of a new strategy and um, really embed them into what we're doing as an organisation. And um, as I say, at the point I was joining, uh, the company was very clear that it wanted to to do a review. So um, uh, we we ran a a materiality assessment, talking to lots of stakeholders about um, what the biggest challenges were going to be and and what a company like ours um should be doing about it and um a lot of that didn't come as a surprise but um really helped with the nuance and the richness of the understanding um and unsurprisingly some of the biggest issues that uh that came out um as a as a food company we've clearly got a major role we can play in helping people transition to more nutritious and importantly to more sustainable diets um, so, how can we help people um, with healthier diets and with more more plant-based diets? Clearly, in the food industry as well, we have a, a major agricultural value chain. Um, so, how do we work with our value chain to really tackle the challenges of climate change, um, biodiversity loss, um, and um, help manage those in a more resilient way as we all come to terms with some of the changes of climate change? And then. Importantly, um, the food industry's got to change and evolve with new skills, with new capabilities, with new ways of interacting with communities and with, uh, uh, with shoppers. And so the third part of our work is about how do we prepare the industry for that future? How do we make sure the right people want to come into the food and drink industry, that they've got the right skills, the right background, and that we help them with skills development and will help our communities to thrive?
0: Got it and yeah I did take a look through that new plan that you mentioned um, Enriching Life published I'm told just over a year ago um, and now I know you, you won't be able to see this at home but in a nice glossy uh, diagram behind Nick's head. Um, so this is a new business plan with ESG um, embedded and for those of us working on environmental sustainability there's a lot of big and bold stuff in in there about some of the topics that um that you've mentioned, Nick, one of them being your yeah, commitment to set science-based targets, joining business ambition for 1.5 um, degrees and working towards a net zero and resilient um future. So it'd be great to hear what you've been up to in terms of yeah emissions and climate at the business so far.
1: So I'm a great believer in the science-based targets program. I think um you have to you have to set targets that are aligned to um, uh what we need to do as a society um and i'm i really value what the science-based targets initiative does in helping you to drive progress and cascade it through your through your supply chain through your value chain so um we were very clear right from the beginning that we wanted to um set science-based targets and as uh, as you say our route into that was through the business ambition for. one and a half degrees so um, we've set net zero targets for our own operations for 2040 and then for our wider um, value chain by 2050 Um, and we've set um, science-based targets for the progress that we want to make um, over the uh, by 2030. And if you look at what they what that means for us in our scope one we use quite a lot of heat in in our manufacturing processes, so cooking and baking processes. Um, so there's a lot in there in the short term about how we do that in the most efficient way. Um, and then looking a little bit further forward, um, what investments can we make in new technology that will help um, help with that? Um, how do we use less heat? How do we process um, some of our products less? How do we use um, more efficient types of um, energy for doing that? Um, scope two is is like many organisations, a lot to do with, how you source um, your electricity. So um, we've done a lot to um, uh, source renewable uh, electricity up to now, and we're looking um, at how we bring some more of that onto uh, onto our sites as as well. And then scope three, which um, uh, for many organisations won't come as a surprise. That's where the vast majority of our um, footprint is. Um, that's about working with our uh, our suppliers, um, and we. When we've done the mapping, when we've had the conversations with our suppliers, it's clear that many of our biggest suppliers are already well on this journey. Um, And it's why aligning to something like the Science Based Targets Initiative is so useful because it moves the conversation on very quickly from what target should we set and why to we know what the target is, how do we collaborate to do it? So um, really rich conversations going on um, across our supplier base. Um, on exactly uh, what the plans are that they've got um, and where can we uh, where can we intervene to support because the because of the really broad range of products that we make we've got a really broad range of ingredients and commodities uh, and a lot of suppliers and um, the approach in one area um, won't make sense in others so um, we're being really specific on um, uh, working with individual suppliers on on what uh, what they're doing um, and in some areas the the science is quite clear and what we need to do is is quite clear and it's about collaborating on how we can scale it in others um, it's not quite so clear and we need to collaborate earlier in the uh, in the process for understanding um, what's really going to make a difference how do we prove that um, before we go on to then scale it
0: that makes sense especially when you talk about things like yeah processing and heating so much um so much product it it will be at an earlier um stage and i wanted to come on to something else that you've been up to um more recently um i got a press release from the brand and about work with um fair share um great platform that helps um businesses distribute surplus avoiding food waste and providing support for the community which is some of the stuff you've mentioned um already and we all know that um yeah, we need efficient use of materials to tackle climate as well as some of these um, energy efficient technologies and new forms of, of energy. So it'd be great to hear a little bit about how that um, came to be. Sometimes when we hear about food redistributions, we hear a lot from food retailers, food to go, restaurants, maybe maybe less from the, the manufacturing side of things, Nick.
1: Yeah, so I'm really proud of what we've done with Fair Share. So for people that don't know, Fair Share is a UK charity that have got um, twin goals. Really, one is um, fighting hunger, uh, and the second is is tackling food waste. And everyone can support in the in the fight against hunger. As food manufacturers, um, we have a a role that we can really play in tackling food waste as well. And Sadly food waste happens all along the food value chain um, from our suppliers, um, what happens in our operations and um, also what happens with with um, shoppers in people's homes and, and we want to tackle it all along that chain really and the partnership with Fairshare is a really important part of that so um, first thing to say about that partnership with Fairshare is that um, it's a five-year partnership now having worked in sustainability as I say for um for 13 14 years or so it's the first time in my career that um i've been involved in a partnership that's that's for that long five years and what that allows you to do is it it does allow you to think more creatively slightly more long term um and build a um build a program of work as opposed to what can we land in a year or or two Uh, and that's been really rich for us um so it's helping helping us at lots of different levels The, the first one Part of that is um, that we've set a target that we want to donate a million meals a year to those um, suffering from food insecurity. And as a company that makes um, nutritious uh, good value for money food, that that seems absolutely the right thing to do. But we also understand that there's a lot of work, fair share, a lot of support, fair share need on, on making that process work. Um, and we also want our colleagues to better understand the issues um, of food insecurity, so we're supporting it with a volunteering programme as well, Um, so more of our volunteers can can get out. Um, The third part of the partnership is um, the excellent work that um, Fairshare do in supporting companies to to drive down their food waste. So, um, we've aligned our targets to the Champions 12.3 programme, which is about halving food waste by 2030. And we want to do that in our operations, but also with our suppliers. So we're doing waste walks with a fair share team around our sites, um, introducing them to our suppliers to, um, to to see where there are opportunities um, to reduce food waste. The, the, the fourth area, and I think one that's really important, is we've got great brands in our portfolio. We've got a real opportunity to help raise awareness of the issue of food insecurity, what organisations and charities like Fair Share um, can do about it, and also to help raise raise funds. Um, so, uh, in one of the major retailers in the UK at the moment, um, we've got a program called Winner Dinner Give a Dinner, which is a uh, an pack promotion where shoppers can can win a uh, win a meal, but also for every um, prize claimed, we'll also make a donation to Fair Share, and that should. Help raise awareness of the issue. It should rate, help raise awareness of Fair Share as an organisation, um, and it will put some some much-needed funds and support into into Fair Share as well. Um, and we understand just how important um, food waste in people's homes is. Um, it's still a, a massive part of um, the food waste that that we see as a society. And um, we've got lots of products in our portfolio that should be able to help people to reduce food waste in their home. Um, So something we launched a little bit earlier this year um, is called a Fresh Take on Food Waste. We worked with um, Love Food Hate Waste programme from RAP to look at what some of the food stuffs were that are, are typically um, most wasted in people's homes. And we've put together a website um, that shoppers can go to and have a look at what leftovers they might have at the end of the week and look at um, meal suggestions, recipe ideas um, of what they can do with that. And um, we've got lots of cooking sources and flavorings and seasonings and things like that to to help them do that. So, um, th- that partnership with Fair Share is a really important one for helping us to understand the issues better and understand, um, what we can do and, and really to lean in.
0: That will make sense and it's unfortunate that this is an issue that we all probably are a little bit more aware of and seeing so much more around so it's a really timely start to that five-year partnership um, as as well. Um, just for the last few minutes that I have you for Nick I did want to zoom back out looking at a strategy level at some of the stuff that's been going on. We've talked about some of the great implementation that's been going um, on, but something I found interesting looking at the strategy that you've been leading up is looking at alignment with the UN SDGs um, as as well as super useful tool for ESG strategizing. Um, and you've mentioned some work on one of those really important goals about food systems um, and hunger. Um, but it'd be great to hear about yeah how you deliver a, an SDG aligned um, strategy really beyond beyond one one goal, this is something we see a lot of people um, working on and, and, and grappling with.
1: So we used the sustainable de- development goals when we were developing the strategy, when we were carrying out our materiality assessment. It was a really good tool for practitioners to to make sure you're taking the broad context of, of these issues, um, help you to make the connections between these issues. And um, unsurprisingly, uh, you've mentioned a couple of them, um, good food, uh, good health and well-being, zero hunger, um, sustainable development goal, 12.3 around food waste are all really important ones, Um, climate action and life on land as well. One of the things it helped us to do though was make more connections. So um, it really helped us to pull in things like education, reducing inequalities, decent work, to help us make the connections between what we were doing on inclusivity and diversity. Uh, and on our skills development programmes and show that they're actually a key part of our enriching life plan, our overall um, sustainability and ESG goals.
0: And I think I've been told that there's a link to 10 um, out of 17. We sometimes get asked, what's an appropriate amount of goals? Which ones um, should we pick? So I don't know if you have any advice on people that are maybe on that same journey that you were um, nearer the start of your role, Nick?
1: Yes, we I I was never trying to tick as many as possible, because I think one of the reasons for developing a strategy is is to really make sure you're focusing on the things that are most important, the things that um, you can actually have the biggest impact. Um, So I I don't know that there's a right right number. um, But uh, as I say, we used it to align our goals on the things that we knew were really important, and also to try and make sure we were taking the broader perspective to to catch any connections that we might have been missing before. Another thing that it helped us to do is, is make sure that when we launched that, when we set our targets, that we were linking them to other programmes, other roadmaps that are out there and coming up with clear um, markers of success along the way so that we can be clear on the progress that we're making.
0: Got it, and you mentioned yeah the the importance of grounding that into a materiality assessment and business strategy as well
1: absolutely and um it's one of the things that um I think I've been able to do quite well with the support of the team here at premier foods is is really embed some of these targets into all of the objectives around the business and around the the business strategy as well and um our enriching life plan um they are twenty thirty targets. Um, so they're deliberately um, close enough that we know we need to take action now, but far enough away that we can set a proper program of work to deliver.
0: Got it. Well, Nick, I know we're nearly out of time for our call today, so thank you very much for taking the time to come on Susty Talk, especially um, yeah, as we start wrapping up for for the year. So thank you very much, Nick, and obviously best of luck with continuing all of that great work in the new year.
1: Thank you, Sarah.